You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You never replace it, obviously. You never replace uh, him in the lineup, and you never replace him off the ice. We're looking to add, uh, if we can, uh, to the players that we have that will help us become a better team. Islanders country, hello. This is P.T. Isles, the Life After Lee edition. Alongside Noel Fogelman, I'm Joe Bono. A reminder, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Please rate and review the show or listen to us on Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or over at LighthouseHockey.com. Lighthouse Hockey, your SB Nation home for your New York Islanders coverage. Noel, as most Islander Flyers games go, the Flyers jump out to a lead, 2-0, 3-0, 3-1. The Islanders rally back, furious comeback, only to lose in overtime, only this time it didn't even get to that. What a gut punch of a game after you thought there was going to be some magical first game back with fans at the Coliseum and Oscar Lindblom scores a second goal of the game. Scott Mayfield loses his man. Butch Goring was really upset about it. I've never seen him mention someone so many times. (laughs) He was really ticked off at that loss as well. And the Islanders, after the nine-game winning streak, have now lost back-to-back games and their third straight to the Flyers this season. Yeah, and their first in regulation at the Coliseum, of course, it had to be with fans in the stands. You know, it's been well over a calendar year. I think the last home game they had was the Butch Goring retirement ceremony, right, with fans? I may be mistaken. I'm, it was that Carolina game they lost in overtime on the high stick. Yeah, I think okay. that was the last one. Yeah, I think you're right. The high stick that it wasn't a high stick, but, yeah. you know, it was a high stick. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you can't expect to win a game when you only play 20 minutes. And that's what they did. I mean, I don't know what 
uh, Barry Trotz said during the second intermission, whatever he said, it worked because they came out, uh, you know, playing pretty well. The only problem with the Flyers really stopped playing in, in the third period. A lot of chip and chase. They kind of just, I don't want to say gave up, but they kind of backed off a little bit. Islanders took advantage. I mean, who thought that Sebastian Ajo, who had a terrible game uh, up to that point and has looked a little shaky since he's been in the lineup, would score a goal before Ryan Pulak this year? <laughs> That's a good point. You know, and it's um, against Ryan Pulak, who's been having a you know, great year, he's, he's, he's been fine, and it's kind of like overshadowing that he hasn't scored a goal yet, but it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about that. Um, and obviously, it's been a long time since Sebastian Ajo had played yeah. three years before they finally got in that game against the Devils. And then, like you said, he was getting worked over. He was having a tough yeah. game. Um, on Twitter, people are saying Allers are going to have to look at another option uh, to, to play while Dobson's out and still with yeah. the COVID-19 protocols. And then he scores a, a very big goal on a nifty move. And we know he has offensive skills, and that's kind of been his MO throughout his professional career in the AHL. And uh, of course, Michael Dal Cole uh, showing off the uh, wrist shot. Obviously, he's been learning from Oliver Wallstrom in practice. I think it's his sixth shot on goal this season, and um, it's a very high percentage. But you know, and uh, so I saw one tweet, one tweet that is this the first goal that Dal Cole actually scored yeah. by shooting? Yeah, or actually, I saw that too. You're absolutely <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's funny, but yeah, and then uh, Wallstrom with the great pass from Nicoletti. I mean. I've never, it's been a while since I've seen an Islander kind of take control of a pass like that. It was a little rough and just buried at home. So calm, looked incredibly yeah. calm. And, and Nick Letty, you mentioned all three assists uh, in that period. Uh, Nick Letty had, had three assists in the period. He's had a great season uh, this year, piling up the assist uh, right atop the league for a defenseman in that category. And Wallstrom now has seven goals on the season. Um, you know, people are talking about what was the last time the Islanders had a prospect like this. And, you know, it's weird because you, you um, kind of don't look at Barzell's rookie year as a prospect. He was in right. for two games yeah. and he was back in juniors. And then he kind of started off. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Wallstrom, you know, he's with the team he's playing in the AHL. He had time obviously playing at Boston college and you kind of were right. kind of following his growth and, Man, has he just been amazing for the team. I tweeted out just a few minutes before we started recording this that the Islanders have scored nine goals in their last four games. Three by Oliver Wallstrom, including the shootout winner right. against New Jersey. Three from Kiefer Bellows, one from Del Cole, one from Sebastian Ajo, and one from Brock Nelson. <laughs> if you needed people to step up in the absence of Andrews Lee, unlikely people are doing it. And it's the people that you would count on to step up that have not, at least not yet. Yeah, uh, the first line is taking a big hit. Um, I don't know what happened to Jordan Eberle. He kind of – we all know about Jordan Eberle over the last couple of years. He goes into these, you know, droughts after a while. Then, you know, Spurs scoring goals. Haven't seen much of him. And I know we'll talk about, you know, Barzal's, like, penalties in, in a little bit. But he's not looked right either without Andrews Lee. But – Going back to the goal scorers tonight, I mean, I thought I was at a Bridgeport Sound Tigers game having Aho, Del Cole, Aho, and Wallstrom all scoring because the, the all three, you know, played together in Bridgeport for, you know, for, for a little bit. But it was just good to see that, you know, Michael Cole, Del Cole finally scoring like that. He has a great wrist shot. I've seen it a lot in the AHL. Like the tweet said, we haven't really seen it much in the, the NHL. Uh, but with Butchie's, it's going back to Scott Mayfield for a second, who I've been killing since two years from now. I don't think he's 
a quality NHL defenseman at all. He's very inconsistent, and they might even need two defensemen, which I don't think they'll be able to get two defensemen, but they need to get one just to have as a backup because who knows how long Noah Dobson's going to be in the protocol. And it shows you how much you miss Noah Dobson. And you talk about Barzal not being a prospect. Noah Dobson, not a second in the minors, wasn't really a prospect either. You know, he played, you know, I think 34 games last year. Hasn't, you know, been in the lineup the whole entire season up until the protocol. Uh, so he's another guy who really needs to be counted on this year. But, yeah, the, the Lee injury is, going back to him for a second, it's, it's tough. And we're going to have to talk about who might replace him. If not one guy, maybe two. Yeah, and there was, um, you know, there was a quote from Barry Trotz uh, before the game about, you know, it's bad news, but it's good to know the reality of the situation yeah. that the team is facing. You know, we all, Islanders won the game. We, it all looked bad when it happened. It looked bad when he got up. It looked bad when he tried to skate off. There was that one quote from Barry about Lee being out a little while that kind of gave a glimmer of hope that you said, okay, well, maybe it's something he's going to have to rehab. He's not going to be back for the regular season, but he'll be there, be able to help out if they maybe went around. And then you get the news, of course, it's an ACL. And um, I guess even though it's not as bad as some ACL injuries, it'll be a little bit of an easier rehab for him because no other additional damage. Um, You know, that's a season ending and playoff ending provided there's a playoff run um, mm-hmm. season for, for Lee and uh, extremely unfortunate. Um, it would be the second playoff run likely that he'll miss in his career. Remember he broke his right foot those years back in 2016, I, I believe on a Ryan Pulock uh, slap shot. Uh, so he missed uh, the Islanders winning that first round series against the Panthers uh, before getting knocked out against the lightning. And um, listen, he's done so much for the team and the organization. He epitomizes what you want out of your captain and uh, as many have said, there is no replacing what he brings to them, certainly off the ice and in terms of his intangibles on the leadership. And now the question is, how do you replace him and on the ice and, and in that first line spot? It's been key for Bells to this point. Overall, listen, he's got, he scored three goals and they probably don't win right. against the Flyers on Saturday without him. They may not win without, without him on Sunday as well. Um, but the consistency in that line that really tends to tilt the ice and kind of set the tone has not been there, at, the, at least not yet. So then the question is, do you look for a Anders Lee type player to be that power forward on that line with Everly or Barzal and Barzal, or do you go completely different and shoot high for like a Taylor Hall or someone like that who has a very different game and would be a complete dynamic um, on that line with the other two? That's kind of the, kind of the options facing Lou Lamarillo at the moment. Right, and with Lou, it was a little telling because he usually keeps everything kind of very close to the vest. And oh, he's then, making a move. Yeah, he was, you know, not shy about mentioning that. And it's kind of interesting because you'd figure teams know the owners need to make a move. And so they're gonna probably going to hold them, you know, hostage a little bit. But I don't think that – this is – let's face it. This is their, their chance. You know, they made it to the, the conference finals last year. This is their time now. Why, why wait? You know, why worry about prospects? You know, I remember Casey Cern had a t-shirt, you know, it was a parades over prospects. It's true. Because how many fans, you and I, waited so long for, for this run? We, we don't care about prospects <laughs> anymore. I, I don't care about a second round pick, a first round pick. I don't care about prospects. They have enough defensive prospects they can afford to give a couple. If you want to trade anything Bavoulier, I'm for it. I might be in the minority for it. But to bring in, say, like, uh, Philippe Forsberg, who's got term, 
will, you know, is a little more dynamic than NCAA. Absolutely. Taylor Hall is a rental. I would, I would try to, because he's not resigning in Buffalo. He just wants to get out of there as fast as he can. He's like Billy Zane in Titanic, taking the first boat off that sinking <laughs> ship. You know? Women and children. Exactly. He's taking Women and children child. first. Right. He's taking saber tooth. I'm though. the only thing she has in the, I'm the only thing she has in the world. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean uh, but, but is Cal, by the way, oh, just uh, yeah. just for a moment, I Go mean on. Cal in the movie Titanic, I know he's the bad guy, but yeah. his fiance is kind of sneaking around behind his back oh, here, on, on yeah. the boat. Right. I mean I don't he I don't feel really <laughs> bad for him, but a, a little bit, you know. And he, he did what he had to do to get out of there. You know, I don't blame him there. You know, and it's Billy Zane. You know, Billy Zane has to live. Yeah. And he was in, a, in Back to the Future Part 2 as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. Billy Zane. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, listen, back, back to the trade, back to the <laughs> trade market. Yeah. Um, I'm, a, I'm a no on the Beauvillier move. I think okay. Kiefer Bellows is a more interesting um, conversation at the moment. Um, you know, you put him on a top line. He flourishes or show signs of flashes of, of being a, a first round pick type performer. Uh, do you look to say, let's sell high at the moment on, on Kiefer Bellows. If someone really likes what they see out of him and feels like they can, he can be a top nine player for their roster for a long period of time, not concerned about draft picks. You got to trade uh, the number two pick you got um, in the, in the Devontae's trade from Colorado. So be it. If you have to move your first round pick that you hope is a late first round pick, Again, Absolutely. you know, so be it. If you look at the roster, the core of the roster is is locked in uh, for the next you know, next few years. And and like you said, this is a, a very much a now team. You have a lot of core guys, 29, 30, 31 years old, right. that are on years two and three of, of six and seven year deals. You're gonna you're, you're gonna be in this go now period with Barry Trotz as your coach, with Lou Lemerle as your GM. You're gonna go for it. Um, Palmieri. I don't know if it's because he's just a devil, but you like he's a Lou Lamarillo type player. Yeah, yeah of it course. seems that way. Yeah. And then you have some more interesting type of names out there: Ricardo Raquel, um, you know, being talked about. Some other guys that have a little bit of term that you probably have to spend a lot on. But you talk about a player looking forward for the following year yeah. has a has a low at, a low AAV, um, has put up thirty goal seasons in the past, and um, but you're going to probably have to pay more for him. Right. And you may have to pay more, Noel, if you want to jump on this now. The trade deadline is April 12th. Right. And if you're going to try to make a move um, before, the, before the end of March, before the market has really kind of come together, yeah. you may have to pay a higher price to do it to kind of, to kind of get your roster in order uh, quicker than, uh, than the deadline. Yeah. But, you know, Lou is smart. I mean, if he, he's seen the games without Lee. He knows he has to do this sooner than later. If he has to set the market, so be it. He can't wait till the deadline where the owners might conceivably, you know, fall, not only say fall out of the playoffs, but be in, you know, in, the, in the fourth seed. And, and what happened last year? You know, they had an amazing run. They kind of, you know, stumbled and then the, the break happened. When they got, they got Pajot at the right time. I mean, after, obviously they lost seven in a row after they got him. But, <laughs> I mean, he was perfect for the team. Yeah, and that's what they have to do. They just have to jump on this sooner than later. And Arthur Staple in the Athletic, uh, I think two days ago, had like 25 players to watch. Right. He had another article today, which was interesting, because anytime Arthur kind of focuses on one guy, you would have to kind of – You know something? Yeah, maybe. Or take a look. And that guy was uh, uh, Matthias Janmark, 
from the Preds, who the Preds, mm-hmm. I'm not from the Blackhawks, I'm sorry. The Blackhawks are interesting because they're fighting for a playoff spot, and no one thought that was going to happen this year. He's only making two, $2.25 million. He's not bad. He's a typical Islander guy, terrible with the event stats, good with the eyes. So he could be a guy who wouldn't cost much, but is he really that sexy guy that you want to bring in? He might be the mm-hmm. second guy if you want to bring him in, because you might need two guys. Well, you if you're bringing in someone with $2.5 million cap hit, your, your hope is that you're going to use more of the LTIR of flexibility course. from Lee and bring, in, right. and bring in multiple players. Yeah, like another – you basically need another defenseman too. You've seen this, how they can't play with six, six defensemen. I know Aho scored. That's great. But you want your defenseman to play a little more defense. Mm-hmm. Looked, you know, pretty out of place uh, tonight. Uh, and like I mentioned about Mayfield, who is up and down. Uh, you don't have to really worry about the other guys. And Nicoletti has been fantastic this year. But – you might want to kind of split the the cap hit for a forward and defenseman. You can go all in Terrell Hall. That's great. But then you're playing this game of, uh, you know, rolling the dice with the defenseman. I mean, as long as the defensemen are the, the top six are healthy, you're, you're right. going to be okay. Um, yeah. And, you know, we had talked about trying to work other players into the rotation to this point, And ultimately it took, you know, a 20 year old getting COVID yeah. uh, or being in COVID protocol to, right. uh, to uh, lead to uh, Sebastian Ajo coming up. I mean, Taylor Hall is, listen, he's the sexy pick. And Islander fans have thought about Taylor Hall for many, many years. And the idea of putting him on a line with Eberle and Barzell Barzell, um, at a time where Taylor Hall has to be motivated. He bet on himself with the one-year deal with Buffalo, and the year has gone (laughs) terribly wrong. And if he wants a major payday, you have a heck of a playoff run with a team, you're going to get paid. It doesn't matter what you did during the regular season. So um, a motivated Taylor Hall, even though he's not an Islander type player, he's never really played on a team like the Islanders. I don't want to rush to judgment to say he would not be a fit. Mm-hmm. I feel like he would be a good soldier and come in and be asked and do what he's, was ever he was asked to do. And, you know, to put those three guys together, and obviously Eberle and, and Hall have a bit of a, a past when they were together in Edmonton, that would be quite intriguing. I think from a ceiling perspective, Noel, that is, that is the ceiling, you know, of, of him coming on board and you kind of catch lightning in a bottle where a line becomes magic. We all know how bad the Thomas Vanek trade was in retrospect. You know, John Tavares gets hurt in the Olympics. They have to trade Vanek after giving up the first-round pick in Matt Molson for him from Buffalo. But there was a period of time where Molson, Oposo, and, and Tavares yeah. were the best line in hockey after that trade. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe you can get that same kind of uh, lightning in a bottle uh, with Taylor Hall playing with Matt Barzell and Jordan Eberle. Yeah, and you know what's funny? You mentioned Oposo. He actually scored tonight. Good, good, for, good for Kyle. Short-handed goal. His first short-handed goal of his career. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean well, – not a lot of penalty killing. No, exactly. But, yeah. but, but, you know, c- congrats to, uh, you know, Kyle for that. Um, but Taylor Hall made the playoffs twice in his career. I guess you consider last year the qualifying round, and Coyotes actually won. He has 12 points in 14 playoff games. So, mm-hmm. quite, a, you know, he's a playoff, playoff player. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm sure he wants to be motivated to actually advance it in a round. So, and actually to make money. So, he's, he's another guy. Who, I, I think I, honestly, you know, you put my gun to, gun to my head. I think he's going to be the guy. I really do. I think they're going to 
get him. Of course, I'll be wrong. Without without Travis Hamannick, without needing without Travis, Travis Hamannick. Yeah, you don't have to worry about you know Griffin <laughs> Reinhardt or anything like that. And I'd probably be hosting a lad. I'm kidding. I'm honestly, I, I have no idea. I mean, um, like, I think a first round pick would do it. I mean, you would think a first round pick plus a prospect would do it. Yeah, they have a lot of defensive prospects in 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 Bridgeport. They have Robin Salo coming over next next year, which yeah. helps. Samuel Bodie Bowie Wild. Bodie Wild. They still have Wallace and Van Asample. I mean, Grant Hutton's down there. I mean, he's 25, not much of a prospect, but he's still a good player. So there's enough guys. And those two second-round picks, if it takes a one and a two, I'm totally fine with that without giving mm-hmm. a prospect. Because those uh, second-round picks that they got for um, Devontae's, they haven't done much yet with them. So if the end game was to acquire a player at the deadline – so be it. Like I said, right. trade, trade those picks to get somebody. And, 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 and here's the thing, um, too. We talked last week about how great it would be if the Islanders could win a division. Right. Because it hasn't been 30-plus years since they yeah. won a division in the late 80s. And uh, I think after the lead news and the fact that they went on this amazing run, you know, nine games in a row, but, you know, yeah. in terms of how many games they actually registered points in um, – right was incredible what they've done over the last month and a half. And yet they're tied in points with the Washington Capitals who just have been very good themselves um, throughout the entire season have been extremely consistent uh, with Peter Laviolette in his first year in coaching. If you're the Islanders, you just, you need to be in that top four. Any of those first round playoff Mm -hmm. series in that division are going to be difficult, whether or not you're playing the Bruins or the Penguins or the Capitals, etc. You have a nine-point cushion right now between yourselves and the Flyers. The goal is to get your team right, to get your roster and the roles that the players are in correct, and everyone feels like they know what their responsibilities are, they know what their role is on the team, and have them ready to go for the start of the playoffs. That is, that is the purpose. Whether or not they finish two, three, or even four, you're going to have to go through probably Washington anyway to yeah. get out of you know, the division and get to a conference right. final. You want to bring in whoever you're going to bring in, start, have them start to gel with whoever they're going to be playing with, and have the team playing well going into the postseason. You don't want what just occurred, Lee or no Lee. You don't want, want the stretch that just happened to be them peaking and then start to tail – and flatten and plateau going into the playoffs. So there is plenty of time for them to bring another player on board, whether it's Hall, whether it's Paul Mary, whoever it may be, Barry Trotz and his staff, finding out what the right mix is, how to roll those lines together, provided everyone else can stay healthy and get this team playing right, pointed in the right direction, come the playoffs. And as, as, as good as Andrews Lee is, and he was having a great start to his year, 12, 12 points. I don't view his injury as a, this team cannot make a serious run in the playoffs because Andrews Lee is out. Because we know, we think we know, that some other 20 to 30 goal scorer is going to come on the roster. Changes the dynamic of the team. They're not going to be the in-front presence and physical presence Lee is, but that doesn't mean that can't be a very, very dangerous line with the right player on it. Right. I mean, th- this isn't going to be a Shane Prince deadline acquisition this year. Tyler Kennedy? Tyler Ke- exactly. You know, it's not going to be Brendan Bruce or Chris Wagner. Uh, you know, it's going to be someone legit, whether it's Taylor Hall. I even heard Dustin, Dustin Brown's name 
thrown around today, which is interesting. Yep. I would stay away from that one. Another year left on his deal, 36 yeah. years old, but he's scoring right now, and he's yeah, played he's, with uh, Kopitar all those years. Right, and he's you know a former captain, so he's got a little bit of leadership quality. Um, we're not going to get the same net presence you know, with any player as Anders Lee did, but I like what Kiefer Bellis has been doing. He's been driving to the net a lot, and we all know, you know he's got that great wrist shot, but he's you know scored a couple goals that way. He's drawn penalties that way. Um, like I said, not the same net presence, but he, I honestly haven't had a player like that who's been driving to the net like that. And it's uh-huh. another, you know, you know, another what's it called piece, you know, you know, to the puzzle here. Um, and it's amazing just how out of the gate he came out, Kirbelos, after you know being basically put in like the doghouse for quite a while. We haven't really heard Barry Trotz talk about a player like that on a press game, you know, post game press conference. Uh-huh about Kiefer Bellis the way he did, but he sat, he waited by his time and he came back like, you know, gangbusters. So like you said, you know, sell, you know, buy, buy high and Kiefer Bellis right now. I don't really want to trade him because I think he's, you know, vital to the future. So, so why, so why are you more um, willing to trade Beauvillier over that? We've seen some really, really good hockey on. I know he really hasn't yeah. described this year at all. Right. Battled some injuries at the start of the year. Yeah. But why would you be willing to move him as opposed to uh, a Bellows? I mean, obviously, if it's pushing him shove and Bellows is the guy to get the deal done, I'll, I'll trade him. But I, I, with Bavillier, though, he's going to get paid next year, too. Yeah. And you got to factor in his cap because you have Adam Pellick, who's going to get paid, too. He's going to go up for a nice raise, Sorokin. And so, you know, there's a bunch of guys on this team that are going to have to get paid. Uh, if you bring in a rental and you have to add, have to give a bully. It's going to be unfortunate, but like I said, you have to win now. And and I don't really care about the future right now. You you have to make a run this year. This is their chance. The two years ago, they went to the second round last year, conference finals. They got to take the next step. Yeah. It, you really know, crazy. I don't want to make uh, ranger comparisons, but you know, you had that ranger window of, of years that we watched them kind of on this, you know, steady, steady climb of trying knocking on the door. Right. And ultimately they didn't get there, but you know, you, you don't normally see teams. I mean, listen, I shouldn't say that, right. Because we have seen teams like the Capitals, you know, get to a certain point and then even get knocked out earlier, but kind of mm-hmm. keep that same nucleus. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, if the Islanders don't, you know, make another conference final or get to a final this year, you know, it's a step back to the point where, you know, the, the, the window of opportunity is not there. I think, you know, they have another two, two, maybe three years left with this core group to, to make that run. Um, after that, there's going to be a reshuffling probably of it. There may be even a bit of a step back to kind of reset things a little bit, but I think those first couple of years in Belmont have a real opportunity um, to, to be special. Now, listen, for them to be special years and to make a special run, Matt Barzell has to be, but be right. And he's had a, he's had a really, really good year. Um, but, you know, we, I think we thought we were all behind um, him getting a talking to and being made of an example and uh, trying to get a message to him in the course of a game, especially a big game against a, a rival team, but takes a couple penalties against the Washington Capitals. He sits for about eight minutes on the third period of that game with the Islanders trailing and uh, 
Barry Trotz, very frustrated, kind of spoke. Hey, he, he leads our team in penalty minutes. Not like that can't happen. No. Matt Barzell cannot lead your team in penalty minutes. And then in the first period of today's game, um, a very clear, even though we argued it, a yeah. very clear penalty in front of the crease, not just a, a minor, a double minor high stick. And uh, I don't know why this is happening. I mean, it's not like he was this. This is, is I'm not saying he was penalty free. He certainly wasn't Lady Big Material and Butch Goring, but like what 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 is going on is it just overly aggressiveness that is leading to all these penalties just a desire so much to 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 have the puck and i i, I don't know it's it's just it's just been bizarre yeah i mean it's it's kind of selfish if, if you know it's just he gets frustrated and he's taking that he has to just suck it up you know and just continue on his shift i mean, just it's just very, very selfish play i mean He's got 36 penalty minutes right now. I mean, last year he had 44, and the previous year, you know, 46. So he's, you know, prone to be getting in the box or, you know, getting in the box, taking Enough, it, yeah. all it back in. But it's just, it's just, you know, very, you know, frustrating. Barry Trotz doesn't want to sit him for eight minutes. He's the best player on, on the ice. But, you know, and I saw uh, Peter Schwartz had a tweet earlier tonight that, you know, saying that he should probably sit him for a game. I would not go that far. But, I mean, if he continues this, maybe send a message. But people are going to say, "Oh, you'll you won't bench Leo Komarov for taking a stupid, you know, major penalty." But he'll do that to your best player. He's a veteran, you know. It's like you know, you know what Leo Komarov is. That's that's Leo Komarov. But Matt's still young. He still can be molded, and that's what Barry Trotz is doing. You know, he's the best coach mm-hmm. in the league. He, he everything he does, he does with a purpose. You know, he doesn't want to sit him because, you know, I'm not going to sit him. I'll, you know, some John Tortorella nonsense. You know, everything he does is with a purpose. And he has to, you know, take, you know, take that benching and go with it. You know, and then say, I'm, you know, I'm not going to do that again. I'll, I'll show you. But he's not. And, you know, he's not putting up the numbers right now. And, you know, the loss of Lee, perhaps, but it's getting frustrating. But he just has to suck up any penalty and anything, any physicality that's going against him right now. You know, there's no one really on that line who can back him up right now. Maybe that's the issue. Lee was there who brought some physicality. But Bellos, Everly, you know, maybe you need someone Mm -hmm. a little bit, you know, like a little enforcer on that line. Yeah, but I don't know what like, who is that player. I don't know. Out, not forget outside the organization. If you look at the rest right. of the roster, who would you shake up the I, lines I with to put in that spot? I don't. There's I don't really see nobody. anyone that does that really spot nobody. that does that role. You're right. There's really nobody. Yeah. It was Lee. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Listen, the Islanders need um, the kids. Have been playing fantastic. Um, Oliver Wallstrom has been beyond the wildest dreams mm-hmm. that you could possibly imagine. Um, even Butch Goring in the post game saying he might end up your your leading scorer when it's all said and done this year. He's uh, you know especially with um, Anders Lee going to be stuck on twelve. I think Brock Nelson has twelve. He's had a very strong March um, after a bit of a slow start. But some of these other players, you know, Bovillier's got to score goals. Josh Bailey has to be better, right? I'm not going to get on the fourth line really because they've done enough. I think yeah. you know Matt Martin's chipping in goals. Cal Clutterbuck scoring his goals. I think. Sezikis, like he scored twenty goals in a year, and, and he just yeah. he just has not been able to even come close to that. So maybe he can maybe a little bit more offensive production out of Casey a little bit. Um, 
you know, and then obviously Ryan Pulak, we're waiting for, waiting for him to break out ultimately. Um, beyond that, you're not going to get any goal scoring from Andy Green. Uh, Nick Letty's done his thing. You know, Adam Pellich, you've seen some, some really good flashes offensively from him. There's enough there, and there's enough players that need to kind of step up and have yet to have their moments this year where I think the Islanders will be okay, provided they continue to play their strong defensive games and get good goaltending, you know, tonight against the Flyers. Uh, I don't know if there's any bad goals that Varlamov gave up. I think he made up, made some actually some big saves when the game yeah. was one nothing and 2 nothing. Could have been worse. Um, they just weren't as tight as they needed to be, and um, they, they weren't skating. And and, and listen, people were, were getting on this team, and, and um, you know, how does this happen? Like, how do you how do you go into a game where – you know, you finally have fans in the building and you're doing all your press conference and talking about and how exciting it's going to be and how um, much of a lift the fans give you. And, and, and really from the start, from the first drop of the puck, that you just, you just weren't, you know, it just wasn't there. Um, I, I can't explain that. It happens to teams. Um, I think we often see that after a team goes on a long winning streak, it's usually a, just a bit of a correction or a regression that happens uh, for a little bit. Um, and, uh, Unfortunately for the Islanders, they had a great opportunity to kind of make that a, a one-game stall out uh, against against Washington, um, and then come back with a resounding victory, or at least get a point, or steal a point with a three-nothing comeback, down three-nothing, and come back in the third. Um, but it was not in the cards. Um, so we will take a break with that. When we come back, we'll have our Isles Buzz segment. You're listening to PT Isles, part of the Lighthouse Hockey podcast network i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We're back. P.T. Isles, Joe Bono, and Noel Fogelman with you. The Islanders falling 4-3 to the Philadelphia Flyers here on Thursday night. Back-to-back losses for the Islanders after nine straight wins. But uh, it was good to see fans back at the Coliseum, around 1,000 or so. Um, Don't know if there was any tailgating. I saw... A little bit of shotgunning of beers um, on, on, on online. Um, by the way, Devin from Yesman Outfitters, that truck that he put together right. is really impressive. Yeah. Um, that, I, I don't think I could drive that thing, let alone yeah. uh, the work required to kind of um, make it as, as cool looking in the, in the Yesco uh, brand. And he actually has, uh, looks like FDNY inspired, Islanders uh, kind of uh, right. you know, hoodies slash sweaters as well for, with a lot of his crew that he travels the game with. Um, you also uh, saw some fans there tonight, Noel, that, you know, because it was the core season ticket holder group, yeah. that is your biggest, most hardcore group of fans. And those right. are the ones that were going to shell out the money to uh, put out their um, cardboard cutouts. And uh, a lot of them probably found themselves in the arena yeah. and took pictures with themselves, right. exactly. uh, which I think is some is a bit of a mandate. Cool. If you're, if you, yeah, you got to have to do that if that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. And our good friend uh, Tom Lafasa tweeted out earlier, just kind of funny. He's like, it feels like 1998. Put all the empty seats in here. Yeah, 
the first two periods, they kind of play like the 98 team a little bit. Yeah, much nicer empty seats this yeah. time around in the refurbished yeah. Coliseum with the black right. as opposed to the the green and the patchy blue and yeah. uh, at, at the old Coliseum and the one section that was kind of always red. Why was that section red? Why was that? It was because it was like a private club downstairs that you could get into. I never understood why that one yeah. spot was I, red. I don't know. They probably just didn't have enough blue seats. We <laughs> 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 got those at discount, you know, prices. <laughs> And uh, great work by the fans there tonight yeah. too, because the "Let's Go Islanders" chants were heard. Yeah. Uh, it was loud as you could expect—a thousand fans screaming through masks, or maybe they lowered them when they're screaming uh, "Let's Go" and chanting "Let's Go Islanders." But a great job by them. You heard the defense chants. You obviously heard them very into the game, and the third period as Islanders um, had their comeback. And hey, listen, it's not easy. It's a lot of work uh, to get pass all the clearances and everything you got to do yeah. to check all the boxes to get to these games. Uh, so kudos to all the season ticket holders uh, that made the effort uh, to get to the Coliseum last night. And let's hope that the capacity continues to grow. I mean, they just made the announcement that opening day for baseball, you're going to have eight to 10,000 fans. Yeah, that's great. Now that's at outdoors at city field or Yankee stadium. You would think that they're going to be able to expand beyond 1000 yeah. uh, for, for a hockey arena. Yeah. I'm sure as like, the restriction, you know, the, the COVID vaccine, you know, gets more widely available. They'll do that as well. I know in Connecticut, they lifted the restriction. April 5th. Yeah. And for, for me, I can go to uh, tomorrow. I'm available. Are you 40? Are you 40? I'm, I'm 45. Yeah. All right. 40, 40, 46 next week. So, uh, yeah. So, thank God. I'm actually it. jealous of you because, like, I'm 38. And yeah. I was thinking there'd probably be a 35 to 45 like bracket originally right. before they changed the, the rules. And now I'm like, I'm going to be competing against these 16 year olds that aren't probably even going to school or just get out early. I got to compete with them for a time. Right. Uh, so I'm not exactly uh, thrilled about the announcement. I was hoping to kind of, I was willing to wait, like I'll wait my turn. Yeah. Let, let the people older than me go first. Right. But now I got to compete with 20 year olds and 17, 18 year olds. And now, you know, not, not ideal. Right. And my wife, who's a teacher, already got her first touch a couple of weeks ago. So she's going to get hers, I think, actually Easter Day. So it's, um, yeah, it's more back to normal sooner than we think. Um, other, other things around the Islanders off the ice and things that I've just noticed this week. Um, so the Islanders, uh, sorry, the Rangers, of course, beat the Flyers 9 to nothing uh, the night before. Uh, part of the reason why Islander fans were very pessimistic about this game was just the idea of yeah. facing a flyer team. They were embarrassed, nine, nothing loss, second game of a back to back. You haven't lost at home all year. Just kind of all of those all things, <laughs> you know, all the makings of a disappointing yeah. loss. And that's what it ended up being. But in that game, um, Sabinajad ended up having six points in the second period. Yeah, and he was the first NHL player to do that since Brian Trottier did it for the Islanders on December 23rd, 1978. So I looked that up last night. And if you haven't subscribed already, or at least know about the Islanders pride YouTube channel. And I've mentioned his Twitter account, Isles um, historical in the past Islanders pride on YouTube. It is a treasure chest of Islanders history. And this guy, I don't know how he did it, he must have taped every Islander game <laughs> in the 70s, 80s, and beyond. And he put them all on YouTube. Who knows how long it's... We should probably get him on the show. 
to be quite idea. honest. Yeah. I'm going to reach out to him and see just kind of what happened here and, and how he was able to do this and how long it all, t- all took. Because, listen, he's creating himself like this amazing library of Islanders history. Yeah. But for people like you and I who didn't necessarily grow up and know those moments, and even if you did, like when was the last time someone who actually watched those games live or had – it's not like today where every highlight you can kind of pick up right. on a website and go watch, go watch it back. This is a 1978 game in December, regular season Islanders-Rangers, and he's got the broadcast. And last night I watched uh, Brian Trottier get his – Six points in the second period. I put one of the clips out on the Ad Isles blog Twitter account, a wild sequence where Mike Bossy gets tripped on a breakaway. There's no penalty call. There's a couple <laughs> hits, a near miss. And then uh, Bossy to Gillies knocks the puck to center ice. Trotty comes in the breakaway, scores a goal. Um, you had Steve Albert uh, doing the call along with Stan Fischler, uh, a younger or young Stan Fischler right. doing it. And, um, that's just my, my shout out um, for that, for that YouTube channel, Islanders pride. Um, uh, like I said, a, a, a treasure trove, a treasure chest of Islanders history uh, that uh, one gentleman was uh, kind enough to put together for us uh, fans to kind of go back at time and time again. Yeah. You can go down a rabbit hole and spend pretty much all day Big time. just you watching can. those. And it's, it's, it's fantastic. Absolutely. Now I saw uh, one if, for you uh, Islander slash hockey uh, wrestling fans. Uh, Dan H- Hansen, his name at Savant Sports, made mm-hmm. an Islanders NWO montage. Yeah, I tweeted that. I retweeted yeah. that. Yeah, that was right. pretty it, awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. And um, wrestling fans, NWO is getting inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame uh, <laughs> this month. <laughs> yeah. So exciting to watch. Or with Eric Bischoff. Yeah, exactly. That was just announced. Another, another great GM. Another great yeah. GM next, right next to Lou Lamarillo. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'd call him more of a Garth Snow type. Uh, yeah, well, he had better years than Garth Snow for a while. I yeah. Think. Kind of petered out of the <laughs> yeah. at least At least Garth didn't cause the company to go uh, belly up. But <laughs> uh, Very true. Very yeah. true. Yeah. But Bill yeah. Barry almost did. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but check it out. The music's great, and it's, uh, it's a good uh, pump-up video. But... Um, yeah, um, the the Pride Channel is absolutely fantastic. Like, like, like you said, um, we're gonna. I'm gonna reach out to him. Yeah, I'm gonna reach, we follow each other on Twitter. Idea. I'm gonna reach yeah. out to him and and uh, and to find out whether or not he can tell us uh, the history of uh, probably recording every Islanders game. Yeah. I would imagine on VHS tape, right, uh, over those years, and then uh, and then um, transferring them and converting them uh, onto YouTube uh, over the last uh, many years. Um, one other thing I wanted to bring up, um, Rob Taub, who um, writes a lot for NYLsblog.com, has done it for a number of years. Big, big Islanders fan if you ever met Rob in person. Uh, he's got an Islander tattoo on his arm. He's got an Islander uh, necklace uh, mm-hmm. that he wears. Major, major fan. And if you ever wondered uh, how he became that way, if you watched the latest MSG Network's commercials on Islander fans, you found out because his father is featured in his Islanders man cave. And his dad was at the first ever Islanders game and just started collecting merchandise. He says when they bought the house, he told his wife, this is my room and it's become a completely Islander game. And he sits in his Nassau Coliseum, original Nassau Coliseum seats and watches the Islanders um, each and every game. And 
Um, I don't think in my new house in Connecticut, New Canaan, which I'm about six weeks away, <laughs> I think, from finally moving into, I don't believe I'll be having a man cave, uh, un- unfortunately. It's going to be me, my wife, and my two girls uh, probably for the next 20, 20 plus years. And uh, unfortunately, maybe until they all move out, maybe one day I'll be able to convert uh, a room. But and until then, I will be man man caveless. But um, how about yourself? Are you a, a pro man cave I'm, or not? I'm totally pro. I had, had one for a little bit. We moved into our house, not thinking that we'd have a third child, that we would need that room. So we that lost was kind the of man like, cave. Yeah, that was the man cave slash like podcast studio for a little bit. And then I had like Islander memorabilia. It had a bunch of autographs, some sticks that we, you know, my son and I got throughout the years on the wall. And that basically became my son Tyler's room. So, but we made sure we, we still have one stick up there. We still have the Devontae stick that my son got from Bridgeport a couple of years ago. Uh, mm. A couple of things, you know, strategically still left on the wall. But until one of the kids get out of the house, my man cave is wherever room I'm in at the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hear you. I, I've changed a lot. So like, yeah, you know, I, when I, when I first got my, my first apartment and my, my girlfriend and fiance now wife moved in with me, I had all this uh, really cool, like panorama Shea stadium, and Nassau Coliseum right. photos. And I had framed things on the, the giants winning the super bowl in 2007 you know, January, February, 2008, 2007 season had some other stuff, Brooklyn Dodger stuff. And I, it had accumulated, but I had nowhere to put it. So when we finally got this apartment. I ended up putting it all like in our hallway. Hmm. And I had like, it was like the hallway of heroes. I kind of, you know, I would jokingly t- jokingly call it and she right. let me do it um, to be honest. But like, I've become much more of a refined, like restoration hardware type guy <laughs> lately. Like I like to look, <laughs> I like my house and my apartment. We ended up renovating that apartment and doing some work, doing some stuff. And now we're doing a lot of work to our home. And now I have a much more refined uh, design palette. I, like it's weird. Like I don't, I don't, I don't anticipate bringing any sports stuff into right. my house. That's weird. I think like I'm still still a major major sports right. fan, but I don't think I don't know I could do it. I don't I don't know why. Like yeah. I, I'm just not into like buying jerseys anymore. I don't think collecting memorabilia. Just not. I, I, maybe I'll get back into that at some point. But I used to be in that phase, and it's it's. I'm just I'm not in that right now. Yeah, I mean I'm kind of fortunate in the fact that my oldest son, his room is basically a man cave, and maybe I'll take pictures and post it on. Um, Twitter, all the stuff he has on the wall, it's just ridiculous. And he keeps accumulating stuff and he has no room, no spot on the wall. So if you go to like to a restaurant that has like nine million pictures of autographs on the wall, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> the diners. Exactly. Nothing, diners nothing's stores. fine. Nothing's yeah. finer than being at your mm-hmm. diner. Exactly. I'm really impressed. You know? <laughs> so and it's like every spot on the wall is is taken with something, you know, his Mahomes picture, his, you know, Luka Doncic's autograph jersey. Oh, so he he likes he likes beyond like the, the core New York teams. He's a just well, like a superstar type fan. He yeah, likes he's, he's he has his islander like wing, I guess you can say, of his room where he has all the stuff. It, it's it's really cool. But then he has like the Matt Barzell autograph picture, then he has um, like I said, Luka Doncic's jersey, which he signed at a game for him, which was awesome. Uh, he met Mahomes, Breeze. He got those autographs on the wall as well. He, mm-hmm. he pretty, he's got Gretzky, he's got um, Potvin, Bossy. So, I mean, I'm pretty jealous. When I was 16 years old, I don't know what I had on the wall. But nothing was autographed, you know, legit, <laughs> legitimately, you know. 
<laughs> I had um, I definitely had some sports stuff. I had a Mets clock. I had a 1986 Mets pennant. I had the Islander pennant. Yes. The Islander pennant, the way I can describe which one it does, Mike Seaver and the Growing Pains had the same pennant in his Long Island bedroom. Right, yeah. Right, and that was the exact pennant I had. So it was very late 80s kind of inspired there through the through the early 90s that I had that in there. Um, and then probably, probably the last sports-related poster I ever hung up anywhere was Anna Kornikova, one in my college dorm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, and if we can date ourselves, I had a Gabrielle Reese one. Oh, but yeah, in my yeah, yeah, dorm, yeah, two of them, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Anna Kordakova poster I love so much that I purchased it at like some fair that was on campus for right. like ten dollars um, my junior year, and then I rolled it up and actually like tried to keep it in pristine condition and yeah. and brought it back uh, right. to the senior senior year dorm. And I was at Fordham and I covered the U S open um, when I was at Fordham for WFUV. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you ever cover the U S open, you have your pass and you can kind of go to any match you right. want. And uh, it was like the night session doubles. Oh, Martina Hingis. And uh, yeah. you know, it on a court of cover, you know, I'm 20 years old or whatever. Right. Being at the U S open, that was, where was, that was where I was going to go. But um, I don't think I ever had any hockey players. Weirdly enough, I think the one hockey memorabilia thing I had that I spent money on, I went to like a card show one time with one of my older cousins and uh, someone had, it was selling a Derek King, like autograph pop. Okay. Right. And, uh, and I wanted, and Derek King wasn't my favorite player on the team. He's yeah. a very, very good Islander, but he right. wasn't like, you know, it wasn't Pierre Turgeon to me, yeah. but I ended up doing that. And then I got autographs on an Islander jersey. This is, I don't know what year it is, maybe 2002, 2003. Islanders, Rangers, regular season game. Uh, some of my friends are in town. At that point, we're in college, but we're all home around Christmas time. Right. We, got, we decided to drive out to the Coliseum. Ranger fans and Islander fans, a bit of a mix of the group. And we, we ended up purchasing tickets from someone who knew Radic Martinez. Okay. And we got him. The game had already started. Right, and we ended up getting these great, great seats, but we paid way too much yeah. for them. <laughs> um, it was a very exciting game, and then part of the part of it came with passes, and we went down to the, like the corridor area yeah. afterwards. And in the NY, this is like the dark navy Islander jersey that I was wearing. Yeah. Yashin signed it, Chukoski right. signed it, Janssen signed it. So right. I kind of have that within the NY. That's my last. Uh, that was one of my last big autograph moments between me and me and professional athletes. Right. That's great. I had like the poster and I had a Pat LaFontaine one and people remember because they use this for all sports it's kind of had the white like matting around it with the yeah. typical mm-hmm. black font on it. It just said Pat LaFontaine that had a similar one with Don Mattingly with like the hit man. And then, you know, I had a team with Solani and Chris Mullen from the USA Olympic team. And, you know, yeah. Jay Buhner, so I had a couple uh, you know, Jets, so it's a nice mixture. Uh, actually, so I have, I have, a, a, Patrick, I have a Pat LaFontaine autographed picture. It's like a 16 by 24 hanging in my bedroom right now. And it's mm-hmm. been there for like two years now. Still shocked my wife hasn't made me take it down. <laughs> you know, it's above my dresser and still there. And, uh, you know, yesterday was St. Patrick's Day, and it's always yeah. the day I get to tweet out a Pat LaFontaine and Patrick Flatley photo, yeah. every single, you know, cr- tremendous haircuts in that in that photo, if you if you haven't checked it out. Yeah. Um, and then tomorrow, of course, is uh, St. Joseph's Day. 
um, which is a very important day for me right. and my family. I'm Joseph. My dad's Joseph, Italian-Americans, and you're supposed to have a very specific pastry. Okay. Svinge is supposed to be delivered to me. Hopefully someone is listening, <laughs> and uh, I'll get, I'll get my, uh, my very uh, Italian bakery pastry uh, sometime tomorrow. But I, I, I'll just leave it with this. Like, I covered sports like, in locker rooms for a number of years, my college years, and then did right. it for Fox Sports Radio um, into my early 30s. When you are covering the sport and it becomes a more of a, a job that you also love, obviously you love sports, yeah. but you're also covering in a job and you're in locker rooms and around players, it does take away a little bit of that, that specialness of the fandom. Yeah, um, I'm sure you've experienced that a little bit in, in your line of work as well. Um, and, I, and I do miss that when I say the reason why I don't have a man cave or not collecting autographs anymore. I think part of it is because I've, I've, I've kind of done some pretty cool, you know, stuff, right. you know, being in dressing rooms, being on the field with that leads interviewing guys in person. And it just, I don't know the, 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 the magic is a little bit, you still love sports, but the magic yeah. is, is a little bit uh, gone from it. I think. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So I'm lucky enough now I can just kind of live through my son who was mm-hmm. you know, just obsessed probably more than I was back wow. when I, I was 16. But you, you're right. Now it's like since I'm out of sports, I can enjoy it a little more. You know, I mean, maybe like the curtain was pulled up, like you said, but I mean, now it's like you kind of can go back into being more of a fan than just like it being your yeah. line of employment. Right. Because so, you're, you're, if you're covering games, is essentially it's, you know, the rule is no, you know, no cheering no, in the press box. Press box yeah. You know, and you end up being like at a Met game covering the Mets and someone hits a big home run and you just kind of write it in your yeah. your scorebook and, and you kind of do your own thing or you right. start, you know, you're concentrating on your update you got to make or how this changes your game story. It's, uh, you know, I'm sure that's happened to many, many people over, over the years. But, um, uh, you know, fantastic job by the fans that were there. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, you know, they are hardcore fans. And I'm, I'm still obviously a big hardcore fan. I'm doing a podcast at 11 o'clock at night with, uh, with you after a game. Exactly. Uh, just a little bit, a little bit different than sometimes the way I, the way I show it. So, um, well, listen, no, really good episode. Once again, if I sound different to everyone, my internet completely went out. I'm doing this over the phone. So hopefully you didn't notice too big of a difference. Um, but that'll do it for this episode of PT Isles. Next up for the Islanders, back-to-back games. Games two and three in a row with the Philadelphia Flyers as the Islanders will try to finally get a victory over the Flyers this season and try to snap this hopefully short two-game losing streak. For Noel Fogelman, I am Joe Bono. We will talk to you next week, Islanders country. Good night.